Literary Anything, our Marion Libraries podcast where we talk about anything literary and literary anything. I'm Jane. I'm Paula. Hello. Welcome back. It's been a <laughs> longer than usual. Sorry about that. I know, and it's my fault it's because Jane's I've fault. been on annual leave. <laughs> it's totally Jane's fault. I needed to get everyone settled at school. I needed to cry about my youngest child starting school. Oh, but aren't you I needed you to happy? weep alone at home. Oh. <laughs> No, it's a happy thing. It's fine. <laughs> it's good. It's one drop off. You're such that a better mum than I am. I was like, woohoo! <laughs> I'm going to the gym. See you later. <laughs> no, I'm I'm emotional about sentimental things like this. So yeah. no, it's great. It's a yeah. milestone. Yes. One drop off, one newsletter. I'm happy. Oh, that's awesome. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. They're in one place. I know, and you've had one leave school. I know. Year, so now they're not in the same place. Mine is, uh, yeah, it's the Doing opposite. Doing whatever the hell they want. Yeah. He's just out there in the world. Like an adult. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. So, yeah, apologies for it, this episode being slightly later than usual. Yeah. Hopefully, um, it gave you extra time to maybe read the book. Yes. Let's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so. so, we're talking about Dark Emu. By Bruce Pascoe. Yeah. Shall I read the little yes. bit from the back? I'll yep. just read half of it. Um, Pascoe puts forward a compelling argument for a reconsideration of the hunter-gatherer label for pre-colonial Aboriginal Australians. The evidence insists that Aboriginal people right across the continent were using domesticated plants, sowing, harvesting, irrigating, and storing, behaviours inconsistent with the hunter-gatherer tag. Um, so this is a book that was published in 2014, the first time. It's been, um, I think, edited, but it's definitely been republished several times since then into various formats, including a children's version or a, or a young person's version. Yep. Um, and then obviously audio in different formats and things like that. So it was the 2016 winner of the Indigenous Writers Prize in the New South Wales Premier's Literary Awards. It won um, Book of the Year in 2016 in the New South Wales Premier Literary Awards, shortlisted in 2014 for the History Book Award in the Queensland Literary Awards, and it was shortlisted in 2014 for Victorian Premier's Award for Indigenous Writing. So heaps of awards, basically. Yeah, loads. And if you've seen the cover, it's covered in little um, plaque-type award Metal things. Metal things, yeah. yeah. Um, so Bruce Pascoe is a writer of Tasmanian... Bunurong and um, Ewan Descent. He's worked as a teacher, farmer, fisherman, barman, fencing contractor and lecturer, Aboriginal language researcher, archaeological site worker and an editor. He's written over 30 books spanning fiction, non-fiction, children's titles um, and winning loads of different literary awards over the years. Um, and in 2018, Bruce was the recipient of the Australian Council for the Arts Prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award for Literature. So that's Bruce. Right. Pasco. And maybe we'll say right up front that in case you um, haven't been reading the mm. papers or, I don't know, into literary controversy, there's been a huge amount of controversy around this book. I guess we chose it for... Well, I it came on my radar initially mm -hmm. because of it was very chosen. exciting news. <laughs> yes, that it was chosen as the very first parliamentary <laughs> book club book. Yes, it was. Yeah, um, which is a big deal. Yeah, and it's a great choice, you know, and it it's a good representative choice. Yeah, for the government to be reading something written by an indigenous. 
person. Right. Um, but the controversy is about just that. Yes, um, that's right. Yeah, and I feel like there's there have been heaps of articles um, in various news um, sources. Uh, I thought I'd reference if, because obviously we can't go into all of it here, mm. but I thought I'd reference this um, monthly article. Um, it's... Yeah, if you just if you Google um, the monthly um, taking sides over dark emu, it's an article by Russell Marks, and I thought it was a pretty comprehensive, um, fairly nonpartisan mm. view of all yeah. that's happened. Yeah, I read a um, bit of that one. Oh, yeah. did you? Because yeah. it's a fairly lengthy article. It is. Yeah. Can we link that to the? Yes, group? I'll do that. I'll make a note to do that. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's if you want to know more mm. about the controversy, then what we'll you know yeah. be able to get to here that that's a good source and that's not a new controversy with bruce pascoe this has been something that's been um his aboriginal heritage has been questioned for decades yeah. for some reason mm. i'm not quite sure why but the um article answers a little bit of that right yeah. and i guess most recently um what has happened is um an indigenous australian lawyer named josephine cashman um Put the question to Peter Dutton, yeah. who then... Um, I think it was a formal complaint. Yes, yeah. he, he forwarded it to the AFP as a mm -hmm. formal complaint. So, yeah. um, And then the police since dismissed yeah. the complaint. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that is... So it kind of came to nothing. And there's, mm. um, there's a lot of talk about the, the um, motivations behind making that complaint. Of course. And the timing of it was also quite poor as well. Um, because I think the complaint went in just before Christmas. The bushfires were happening. Mm. Bruce's property was destroyed in the fire yes. as well. He's, I think his buildings remained, but his um, land was destroyed and, his, of course, his community around him. So mm. he was literally fighting fires when all of this huh. was happening yeah. as well because I think he's a, well, he's a volunteer for the um, – what do they call it in, Vic in New South Wales? They don't the call it CFS? No, CFA I think it is oh, over okay. there. Right. Um, so he um, – was fighting fires and it was just a little um uncouth. does he really need this yeah again this time. yeah, yeah. Um, and another piece of news about bruce is that he was due to speak at um writers week next month um but due to the fire affecting his property and that of the community in malacuta in um new south wales he's pulled out of both of the adelaide and perth writers weeks to um just assess the damage to his property and to assist the um community um, and like I said, he volunteers for the CFA, so um, he's working with them as well, which is, you know, completely understandable. Yeah, but and a real shame as well, because I'm sure yeah. there are lots of us that would have liked to hear, especially, I mean, it's kind of ironic about yeah. the fires, and he speaks a lot about fires in the book. That's right. Um, to hear his perspective. Topical. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, but he's got quite a few, he's got a really good TED talk that's out as well, so we might ah. even try and find that and link it. Link that too. I, think, too. He, I think he talks about Dark Emu and that. So we could find the link is that for that as well. Yep, I'll do that. So that's the peripheral stuff. I feel it. like I need to preface this talk with the fact that I feel completely undereducated and ignorant about pretty much everything that, <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to talk about about this book. Mm -hmm. um, and also by saying I've done no other reading or research on the topic. So mm -hmm. I apologize in advance if I say something <laughs> Offensive or or <laughs> naive or um, you know mm. uh, if I make it obvious that I'm I've only read this one yeah. Um, yeah. source yeah um, that's my proviso okay <laughs> so <laughs> um, so Dark Emu it's um, an academic book 
it could almost be called um, a historical textbook even. It's got that sort of um, textbook quality to it. Um, but I found it it's more accessible to read than it, what you know you would think a textbook um, how dry they are to read. I didn't find it. Um, arduous like a textbook right and um, I so think don't turn that as a deterrent right no um, I think it's it's that's yeah. a good point and the fact mm. that um Bruce Pascoe isn't a historian um yeah. Russell Marks makes that point in his monthly article he's not a historian and he's mm-hmm. not claiming to be so yeah no. I think uh, part of um, the value of this book is that it's bringing sort of historical and anthropological yeah. um, um, information to a more mainstream yeah. audience. Yeah, mm. um, yeah. It, he's putting an argument forward based on what his research has been. Yeah. So there has been some people saying that um, when you go back to the source material, some of what's in this book is a little bit um, selective. Right. Um, and missing a few other key points from the source material. But right. I mean, you know, this is his book and this is his argument that he's putting forward. So mm. I don't think that's a criticism either. Mm. Um, what did you think? <laughs> I, I found it, although what you say is true, that it's it's much less dry than um, a typical historical mm. textbook. Mm-hmm. I still fa- found it um, difficult to sort of comprehend all of the statistics and um and and you know qu- quite dense information yeah. for as I say somebody who hasn't done any hasn't doesn't have any background um, knowledge in mm. this topic. So I found it, it was a lot to um, take in, mm-hmm. and um, it wasn't like a pleasurable oh. read. No, you know it's not like a laid back. You know, no, obviously it's not a beach read. No. <laughs> Not a beach read, no. <laughs> but I feel like it's a hugely important um, yeah. work that yeah. um, I'm very glad um, is, you know, is getting a lot of um, mm. discussion right now and, and glad that, um, you know, that politicians are taking it on. Yeah, I agree. And I'm really glad that I read it. And yeah, I think both of us stopped and started it a couple of times over the last six weeks or whatever yeah. we've been reading it for um, because it isn't. You know, you're not sitting there. What's happening next, or what is the you know? It's that's not, right. It's not like that. Um, the book's divided into focus areas um, to highlight and provide examples, I guess, of um, and to challenge the um, misconceptions, I mm. guess, that a lot of us have about the um, ways in which Aboriginals lived in um, pre-colonised um, Australia. Um, and some of the sophisticated ways in which, you know, they farmed and fished and lived and managed the land, harvested food. Um, so it looks at agriculture, aquaculture, housing, storage, fire, language, spirituality and law. So that's kind of the – like it's quite a broad um, scope mm. and it's not a big book either. It's not very long. It's only 200 and something pages long. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot packed into this little book. Mm. Um, so I can understand why you probably felt a bit um, overwhelmed by the intensity of the information. That yeah, you're I feel like the first couple chapters particularly, I mean, I liked that it was broken down into those mm. chapters, um, but agriculture and aquaculture I found particularly um, hard to take in. And mm. then when he got to um, government and um, spirituality and stuff like that, I yeah. found it a bit um, easier. Yeah. So um, I was a little bit the opposite. I ah. quite liked. 
I kind of liked the aquaculture and right. the, the housing and that was It really wasn't that I didn't like me. it. It was just that I found, yeah, I found it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit more tasking. Yeah. Ta- yeah. 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 Mm. Um, so there's images and diagrams throughout the whole book as well um, and a massive bibliography. Yeah, I didn't even look at that. No, bit. me either. Uh, um, we should say Jane read it and I listened to it on audiobook yeah. and it is narrated. We were questioning this last time. It's narrated by Bruce Pascoe. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I think mm. um, we were just discussing before whether it was would have been um, easier to listen to or read mm. and we didn't really come up with an answer. Yeah, I guess, you know, everybody takes things in differently. Um, What struck me, I guess, throughout the whole book was the arrogance of the the British colonial, um, I don't know if we should say invaders. See, here Mm -hmm. I go. I don't know. Is that okay? (laughs) Um, But, yeah. Yeah, I know. And they're... um, they're sort of blinders on to um, they only saw what they wanted to see or what their bias allowed them to see, which I guess is, you know, how can you not? But yeah, um, it highlighted that there was an ulterior motive, I guess, that, you know, they saw what they wanted to see to serve, justify the um, destruction of this, these societies, Mm. really. Yeah. And these people, um, I felt um, I came away after I finished. I came away. I was talking about with this um, with my husband yesterday about it. I feel really shortchanged in my um, education mm. in regards to the history of our country. Um, I only can hope that it's different now. I mean, I left school, you know, a million years <laughs> ago, <laughs> um, and there were so many things that I didn't know, and obviously still don't know about the way Aboriginal people carefully sustained you know their societies and themselves and their families and communities but obviously the land itself as well um but i didn't realize how sophisticated some of the structures were or um the systems and the ways in which they work together um and this is you know sixty thousand years of this yeah that's the that's the thing that i guess um struck me with the, the level of arrogance is how mm. can you come into a, a culture and a society that has existed for, you know, the tens of thousands mm. of years and assume that, you know, they don't know what they're doing and they're yeah. just, you know, roaming the earth and with no... Yeah, that real hunter-gatherer thing. Mm. And I, I like the way the book challenges that um, because that hunter-gatherer tag really, I think, was uh, some of the justification for, you know, the actions or the excuse, really. Right. Um, when it not necessarily was like that right so yeah i think the big um i there was a quote in here that really struck me that um really was the takeaway for me um and it's from the um chapter about storage and preservation and he's talking about um how one of the tests uh, applied by western archaeologists um to establish civilization is pottery Mm. and i guess um previously it was said that um that aboriginal people didn't uh, make or use pottery but that's not the case um and he's saying that the test really is um is just are society similar to european or asian Mm. civilizations but not really a test of how civilized they are um, so it's in that chapter. But really, to me, I feel like this is the main takeaway, this quote right here. If the test of sophistication were whether or not 
all were fed regardless of rank or whether all contributed to the spiritual and cultural health of the civilization, Aboriginal Australia might have a much higher rank than some of the nations considered the hallmark of human evolution. Mm. That really struck that me. Yeah. 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 That really struck me. And I think this um, has less to do with, you know, the, the topic of dark emu, but I felt like it, it was really impactful for um, my thinking about how do we measure success, you know, in, in society today? You know, usually you think of a person is successful if they've, you know, got a nice house and they've got, you know, cars and money in the bank and all of yeah. that. But is that, uh, you know, who decides that that's yeah. the measure of success? Yeah. And what about, you know, whether the person is a good parent, a good friend, a good, yeah. you know, what con- contributions do they make to society? How do we treat our elderly and that's our right. disadvantaged? And, you know, what's our homelessness like? That's right. You know, to me, that's more of a measure of a successful nation or yes. success is how everybody's doing that's right yeah. and like i think i feel like that was the point he was yeah. making in yeah in in that part so yeah that really affected me yeah yeah um i really enjoyed it and i'm really glad that i read it and um i've told lots of people that i think they should read it and it's yeah. um, not as dry as what or as hard work as what people might think it's about right because it is a little bit hard to give people a, a very um quick you know, one sentence about what it's to encourage them to read it. Yeah. If you say it's about agriculture and the history of Australia, they're like, oh. Yeah. But it's not, it's so much more than that. And, it's and I think if we're living, if we're living here in this mm. country, I think it's important that we know um, a lot of what's in this book. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, this is the kind of book that I'd love to know if, um, if this is being considered for, Year eleven and twelve mm. texts for you know history or English even um, that would be wonderful. That's and a very good is, point. Yeah, I'd love to know if and if anyone knows. I don't know. You can ask your kids; they're bigger than mine. Yeah, what they? I did um, mention this book to um, my daughter because she was studying about megafauna, and mm. he mentions megafauna yeah. in, in this book. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, yeah, yeah they, I'd love to know what. I mean, yeah, I finished school in the late 90s so mm. it's you know a long time ago what's changed I yeah mean, what, how do they um teach aboriginal history now i don't know yeah that's a good point i'm gonna go home tonight you and ask, ask them. our partners because they're both teachers they would probably oh. know <laughs> i didn't even think of that <laughs> me either <laughs> we do, we'll do that too access to people who know <laughs> to people in the education department <laughs> nice choice yeah good one Lovely. Okay. Shall we talk about what else we've yeah, read? Yeah, let's this do month? that. Do you want to start? Sure. Okay. I've had a hard month with books. I've started <sighs> so many and not got. I've got a whole pile of not even half read books at my house, and that's sad know, when I've that lost happens. My reading mojo, and it's frustrating. But mm. I have read one fantastic book, um, and I can't remember if you've spoken about it before. Okay. Um, the Arsonist by Chloe Hooper. Yeah, I don't know that I have, but I've I I had it and didn't get to it. I hate yeah. when that happens too. Yeah, mm. all the time, doesn't mm. it? Um, so this is quite pertinent for right now as mm. well. So this is a book. Um, Chloe's a an investigative journalist, which I seem to love books written by journalists. Yeah, because fake was also yeah, yeah, it was, and the least sales book. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, I know. They do a good job often. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is about the hunt for the arsonist that lit one of the fires in the 2009 Black Saturday bushfires mm-hmm. and um, specifically the Churchill fire in Victoria in the Latrobe Valley. Um, so she speaks to she speaks from the perspective um, of the lead investigators, the victims of the fire, the defence team, um, and takes a close look at the social disadvantage in the in the Latrobe Valley, um, and all of these perspectives combine to develop a really clear picture of um, why someone decided to make such a horrific choice and light a fire on a catastrophic Friday. It was like forty five degrees. Mm-hmm. North winds, the whole thing. Um, so this was back before we had those fire ratings as well. And I think the um, Royal Commission after the Black Saturday fires then put these new fire ratings out. So they didn't have catastrophic days in 2009. That's a newish thing. Right. Um, so that's kind of the overview, I guess, of the book. Um, it was really chilling to read. And the whole first um, couple of chapters is about um, – the day of the fire and the lead up and the intensity that she builds before the fire even gets there. It's just – and I read it um, while a lot of our fires were still going as well. Wow. So it felt very um, scary and chilling and I had nightmares <sighs> and about fire. <laughs> um, so it was really vivid and you could just – the fear – was so tangible almost. Yeah, and I guess reading it at that time when the yeah. fear was tangible yeah. for us too. That's right, and we had friends and KI fighting mm. the fires and all of that was still going on. So it was very, um, yeah, it was kind of surrounded. Timely, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so she looks at, uh, yeah, and then she looks into the investigation of the arsonist, how they find him, um, he's convicted, and I forgot to get his name, Brendan mm. something. Um and a really um, deep dive into why he did it, mm. because he's still he's convicted, he's in jail, um, but he still claims innocence. Wow! Or it was an accident, um, but that's clearly not the case. And why did he do this? What made him like this? It's great. That sounds really. absolutely fascinating. It was a really good book, and I've told heaps of people. I've, that's why I don't have my copy because I gave it to a friend to read. Mm. Um, yeah, it was great. Really good. Yeah. Wow, I got to get that one back. Yeah. Yeah. Really quick as well. Super quick. I read it in two nights or something. Good one. Yeah. What have um, you got? So I'm going to go through mine really quickly because okay. it has been a while. I've got yeah. lots. And I've only got one other one. Okay, so, so I've divided them into the <laughs> books I didn't like and the books I did like. <laughs> so I'll just How quickly. <laughs> There were three I didn't like and two that I did. Wow. So I'll just quickly okay. breeze through them. So the first one, oh, I, it's it's unfair to say I didn't like this. It's not co- um, completely true. But it, the first one I'm going to talk about is The Nature of Things by Charlotte Wood. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Charlotte Wood wrote The Weekend, which was our podcast book for yeah. last month. Which you didn't. Did you, you like that? Um, yeah. I, I really liked it. Was, it and yeah. You were like, I was like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... What I did like was Charlotte Wood's writing. Yeah. I think she's um, a, a talented writer. And I would say the same of this book, p- perhaps even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a dystopian um, tale that they're calling a modern day handmaid's tale. I think I mentioned oh, that last right. month. Yeah. 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 
It's an exploration of contemporary misogyny. Um, so these women have been exiled um, for some ambiguous kind of moral crime that they sort of allude to that mm -hmm. they've made in their past um, lives before they get to this place where they're forced into hard labor and they've got these sort of nefarious jailers. Well, not completely nefarious. Um, yeah, they're... Um, but anyway, these three people that are sort of watching over them. And as I say, it was really well written. It was so depressing, though, that I couldn't, I couldn't, yeah, it, it was just too depressing. I yeah. found there was nothing, uh, there was no redeeming point. Um, and I felt like I was left with questions at the end about why they were there and who put them there. And I, w I just wanted a bit more from the ending so yeah didn't love that one okay um but yeah um and then the next one i'm going to talk about is the nowhere child by christian white is this on the didn't like list yes wow. look at you bucking the uh, trends no that's what i've said here <laughs> i am definitely um in the minority in not liking this book yeah. because most like on if you go go on goodreads it's like five stars five stars yeah. five stars um it's the story of sammy went who goes missing in kentucky in 1990 and then um, in present day, Kimberly Leamy is approached in Melbourne, Australia, by a man who claims that she is his missing sister, Sammy Went, who went missing all those years ago. Um, seemed like a really good premise, thought I would like it, and I felt like the writing, it's his f debut novel, so maybe it's unfair, but I just felt like the writing didn't hold up. It was amateurish. The plot was clunky. Wow. Um, the characters and dialogue just seemed like unbelievable. Um, yeah. So wasn't a fan of okay. that one. Yep. What's Feel the free third to disagree. One? Was that the third? <laughs> was there three you didn't like? Yeah. Um, I th th this is a bit harsh to say I didn't. I guess I should say books that I thought were okay and books that I loved. <laughs> Let's say that. Because the next one is Inside Out by Demi Moore. Oh, you've been looking forward to I know. That. And I did, I did, it was a solid bio. The writing was good. Um, did she write it herself? Or she, she wrote it herself. Write? I assume she had. Do you reckon uh, she had a ghostwriter? I don't know. I did mm. not look that up. It says okay. it's by her, so... All right, let's not start rumors. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, we talked about last time, if you were into the Brat Pack back yeah. in the day, that yeah. you might be interested in reading this. It was interesting about, she had a very troubled and dysfunctional mm. childhood that, um, of course, affected her in her adult life and in her career. Um, she talked about, especially about her relationships with Emilio Estevez and Bruce Willis and Ashton Kutcher, of course, um, and also with her kids, because she's had... Uh, sort of a tumultuous relationship mm. with her children as well and they've been talking and not talking to her at various stages um, but I felt like what it lacked was it didn't really like dish on celebrities that you Is might that what accept. you wanted well I feel like <laughs> you kind of expect that in this sort of memoir I mean okay. she talked about <laughs> making ghost yeah and I don't even think she said uh, I don't even think the name Whoopi Goldberg was in the book and she didn't hardly say anything about what it was like to work with Patrick Swayze. So I felt like that was oh. missing. Okay. But still interesting. So those were those okay. three. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is another book and I haven't even finished it yet because um, I've jumped in and out of this one. It's called Happiness as Such by Natalia Ginsberg. Um, I thought I'd just very quickly read the blurb because it's a funny little book. Um, 
Michelle is the beloved only son of a large dysfunctional family in 1970s Rome. Headstrong and independent, he has disappeared to England to escape the dangers of his radical political ties. Back in Italy, his father lies dying. Michelle's departure sets forth a series of events that will bring together everyone in his life. His mother, Adriana, living in the countryside with her twin twin daughters, Babetta and Nanetta. His long-suffering sister, Angelica, his loyal and sad friend, Osvaldo, and Mara, a young woman who's prone to showing up on doorsteps with a baby that may or may not be Michelle's. The story (laughs) of the prodigal son turned on its head. Happiness as such is an immensely wise and absurdly funny novel in letters about complicated families and missed connections. Another epistolary. Yes. Love it. Our favourite word. Yep. Um, So I read that out because it's, Sounds really kind of great. Yeah. But it's kind of not great. Oh, <laughs> it seems like a bit of a saga. There sound like there are a yeah. lot of characters there. It's a funny little book. Um, it's tagged as being funny and wise, but I don't find it – I have not. I don't even think I've cracked a smile. We seem to have been time. having a few of those recently. I Who's know. categorizing these things as funny and I wise know. when they're not funny and wise? <laughs> <laughs> the characters are all unlikable, but I think that's the point. Right. Um, but it does, and this is where I get a bit conflicted with it, it's got a certain little something about it. Um, it kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you know Wes Anderson, the movie maker. Yes. He's, yes. What Some of my most favorite movies. It kind of reminds me a little bit of a Wes Anderson plot okay um there's an absurdity about the whole thing that is a little bit charming right so i don't love it but i don't hate it but maybe it's i shouldn't have read the blurb where it said it's absurdly funny right because i'm expecting it to be funny (laughs) don't build our hopes up like that with funny (laughs) yeah and it's such a tiny little cute book it is it's very cute i was gonna say that it's appealing the look of it anyway Oh, maybe don't maybe, read that. If, well, you, I, I mean, know. you're only halfway through it. You could, yeah, it, it could, could pick up, redeem itself. Maybe it's hilarious in the last right half. at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. That's all I've read. Okay, I've just got two others to tell you about, but I'm excited to tell you about them. Um, one is North of Normal by Sea Sunrise Person. So this isn't a new book. It's 2014, but um, somebody, one of our staff members, was reading it and she um, um, raved about it to me. So I read it too. It's a biography. And it's about a woman who grew up in a very alternative and often dysfunctional family um, who decide to go live off the grid in the wilds of Canada. Um, and the whole family is like super into smoking pot, really lax about mm-hmm. sex and, and relationships. Her mother gave birth to her at 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I would say if you read The Glass Castle, you know that one yeah. by Jeanette Walls. Um, this is something else that you would really like to. And in fact, um, the author was inspired by the Glass Castle to write her memoir um, because they're they're dysfunctional in a completely different way, um, but you know, equally really interesting to read about. Mm, so sounds interesting. Yeah. And then the last one I'm going to talk about is Bunny by Mona Awad. Have you oh, seen no, this book floating around the no. place? This um, is a is a is a fictional book um, about a woman called Samantha, who's a student um, in an MFA program at a fictional, renowned university in New England. 
Um, she's only got one friend called Ava, and the rest of her cohort um, in this um, fiction writing MFA program are a clique of super popular rich um, girls who all call each other Bunny, hence mm. the title of the book. Um, and initially, Samantha is really um, critical and disdainful and makes fun of their writing to her friend Ava. And, and it's really, it, she's extremely acerbic. And her descriptions of these cliquey bunnies are they're just really, really funny. But then one day she gets an invitation um, from one of the bunnies to join them in their um, writing um, group that they call the Smut Salon. And then all hell breaks loose. Oh, and it wow. like kind of delves into this sort of ritualistic magic, which this book is so weird. And normally I do not like weird in my books. And like I was thinking about, um, I talked, I don't know, a few months ago about this book called The Bus on Thursday. Do you remember me saying no, that? And no. it was like so weird and I did not like it at all because mm. it was just so ridiculous. But this book has just enough reality in it to anchor mm. you so you're not like going, where the hell am yeah. I? What's going you're on? Not suspending your belief too You much. do. You do yeah. have to suspend your disbelief for sure, but mm -hmm. it works. And it's, um, she, I've read that she's been called a, uh, a writer's writer. Uh, so she's got lots of literary, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, little gems in there. Yeah. While at the same time referencing movies like Heather's, yeah. you know. I was going to say, it sounds it's, quite Heather's It's like. very, yeah. I would say it's um, Mean Girls meets Frankenstein meets Heather's meets Kill Bill. Wow. It is so crazy weird. And it, I also want to say, meets another uh, famous movie, but I won't say it because it's a huge spoiler for what oh, happens in okay. this book. Yeah, say anything then. So I won't say it, but if you've read it, um, you know, message me and <laughs> tell me what you think that movie is. Because, yeah, I cannot say enough about this book. Brilliant, superb writing. It gives you so much to ponder about belonging, mm -hmm. isolation, um, creativity, and where creativity comes from and the creative process. So, Sounds really good. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. And super weird. Yep. That's a big one. That <laughs> sounds great. Um, I'll talk quickly about what's coming out. There's a couple of um, interesting things coming out. Um, Marin Keys has got a new book out. Yeah, Which is I really exciting. That. It's very exciting. I know. If you love Marin Keys, you love Marin Keys. I've heard that it's really funny and really good. Um, her last one, which I can't remember what it was called, it was a bit... Um, Oh wait, is that called the breakup? No, no. This is called yes. The breakup was the breakup the last was the last one. one. Yeah, this is grown ups. This yeah, is grown right. ups. Um, yeah, I used to like crazy, crazy love her read too. everything me she too. did, and then recently I've fallen off. Me too. Yeah, interesting. Me too. Maybe, yep. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I read like I just could not get enough of her yes. books. But I'm excited about this one. I won't go into the whole thing because if you're a fan, you're a fan. Yep. Um, Another one that's um, getting a little bit of attention is called um, The Bass Rock um, by Evie Wilde. Um, so she um, wrote All the Birds Singing. I don't know if you remember that no. cover. Me, um, I, ha I didn't read it, um, but that was an award-winning book. Um, a simmering eerie tale of passion and madness the l through the lives of Sarah, a young woman accru accused of witchery. Another oh, witchy book. Witchy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ruth, a newlywed stepmother, and Viv, middle-aged yet still seeking. Wilde examines the intersections between gender, power, and power across the century. So it's obviously, it spans across um, years. Um, but that is getting a little bit of attention, that one that's just come out this month. Um, this one sounds really cool, and I only saw it this morning. It's called The Last Day by Andrew Hunter Murray. High concept, utterly original debut thriller which envisaged of envisages a world on the edge of catastrophe. It's 2059 and the world has stopped turning. One half suffers an endless frozen night, the other nothing but burning sun. Only a slim twilight region can survive, can life survive. Um, in Britain, Ellen Hooper receives a letter from a dying man containing a powerful and dangerous secret people will kill for. Hmm. It's a pretty big storyline. Yeah. So that sounds interesting if you love spec fic and apocalyptic. All I feel like I'm stuff. over apocalyptic ever since I know. after the flood. After the flood, you hated <laughs> you that so much. ruined it for me. <laughs> Those gun whales. <laughs> Those gun whales. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last one, you'll probably hate the sound of this too. Um, I chose this one because I've seen it in real life and it is so pretty. It's the most the beautiful cover, cover yeah. and it's all embossed and it's mm. all it's lovely. Um, it's called The Mercies by Kieran Millwood Hargrave. Um, inspired by real events in the Vardo storm of 1617, The Mercies is a story about how suspicion can twist its way through a community and a love that may provide prove as dangerous as it is powerful. So it's set on the remote Norwegian island of Vardo in 1617. Um, in On Christmas Eve, there's a, a storm um, as um, one of the characters watches 40 fishermen, including a father and brother, are lost to the waves. The men folk, all the men folk on the island, are wiped out in an instant. Vardo is now a place of women. 18 months, months later, a sinister figure arrives, summoned from Scotland to take control of the place at the edge of the civilised world. Um, um, Cornette, that's the character, Cornette knows what he needs to do to bring the women of Vardo to heal. With him travels his young wife, Ursa. Um, in Vardo, Ursa finds something she's never seen before, independent women. But um, Cornet only sees a place flooded with terrible evil, one that he must root out at all costs. I actually like the sound of that. And oh. you said it's based on a true... Yeah, real events. Real events. Vardo Storm of 1617 mm. in um, Norway. Yeah, that sounds very sounds intriguing. interesting, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's getting a bit of press and that's um, got a bit of um, – it's getting a lot of um, storefront attention in the bookshop. So that's right. you'll see that in windows and things like that. Yeah, it really helps when the cover is so oh, it's gorgeous. eye-catching. Yeah. yeah. So um, I've bought a copy of that already for us, so that'll be in the catalogue soon. Excellent. So, yeah, that's what I chose for next month. Yeah. Um, or this month because this month we're oh, we're in it. I know we're in it. We're just talking about how confusing it is now that we've <laughs> we're off track. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll be on track for March. Yes. And speaking of that, we'll um, let's announce the book that we've chosen. Please. Yeah, it is American Dirt by Janine Cummins. So if um, you pay attention to what's going on in the literary world. I'm sure you would have heard about this book, um, which Oprah chose as her book club pick. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also getting um, lots of controversy. But I'll just read the blurb 
um, uh, what it's about. In American Dirt, after her journalist husband runs afoul of cartel boss Javier Fuentes, Lydia's entire family is murdered with the exception of her young son, Luca. Now Lydia and Luca must run for their lives to try to leave Mexico despite the many dangers lurking along the difficult journey and with Fuentes and his men nipping at their heels. Action-packed and suspenseful, American Dirt is a thriller that tells a story about migration into the United States. Lots of controversy. We'll go through that when we talk about the book. Yes. Yeah. And for sure. do a little bit of a deep dive into what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So happy reading. There's um, lots of copies that should be available now. Yep. Um, Look on our new release shelves. Um, yeah. We'll have multiple copies at We've each got lots of copies. Branch. Yep. So grab a copy, read along with us, and see us here next month or in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what you thought. Happy reading. Okay, bye. Bye. I'm I feel like I'm more of a loose cannon than you because <laughs> I That's sometimes say. I say things I don't realize are a thing here. That's what they say. <laughs> That's what she's, she's lovely but she's, she's a loose, loose cannon. cannon. <laughs> <laughs> nice girl, loose cannon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I snorted then. <laughs> Okay, that's um. my book.